The following episode is dedicated to the loved ones of Max Perenchio and Ryan Brady. This podcast was recorded on October 30th, 2020, to celebrate the release of their brand new album, Tropical Purgatory. And it was an excuse to get together and shoot the breeze with my friends Max and Ryan. But I didn't know that it'd be the last time that I'd ever see them again. Because on November 26th, 2020, it was announced that their lives had been taken in a fatal car crash. The news was absolutely devastating. And I still can't imagine what their families are going through. They were full of life. They gave everything they had to absolutely everything they did. And they were good, old-school souls who were living their rock and roll dream. It was a pleasure to have known them, and they will be sorely missed by all the people whose lives were made better by them. Uncle Salsa, the Pelican Boy, may you forever rock in the fifth dimension. Bend to your will only when you enter the fifth dimension. Uncle Salsa and the Pelican Boy, welcome to the Me Show podcast in the fifth dimension. Nice to see you, boys. It's been a long time. It's been a very long time. Here we go. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Friday night in the fifth dimension. You guys are in LA. I'm in Montreal. The world's locked down. Is it not locked down? No one really knows. It depends what you watch. All I know is I'm doing my thing and you guys seem to be doing your thing. Hey man, we're out here doing our thing. You know, I was Trev, I was back in the past a little bit and I saw you speeding around. I was going to grab you and be like, whoa, what's going on? But you were zipping through. So I know you've been time traveling a lot these days. Yeah, I've been time traveling. When you're moving around like that, you can't really slow down. So I hope you didn't take offense. I don't think you did. Not. not when you look that beautiful going that fast. You no, know the last time I saw you, I, I was like, what's up, dude? And then you looked at me like I was insane. I'm like, oh, I'm talking to the one that hasn't even met me yet. Yeah. So okay, no well, big th- de- thank you for not fucking this timeline. Exactly. A lot of this good stuff. So I, I think what the me show and the time travel vibe and Uncle Salsa and the Pelican Boy and your Yacht Rock vibe, are these, can I assume, alter egos and personas that we all assume that all live within us? Or is it a little closer to home for you guys and probably for me too? I think it was like Keith Richards that said, he was like, you know, back in the early days, man. <laughs> Back in the early days, you know, I was just kind of putting this thing on, you know, this kind of a pirate motif, man, you know, but, you know, by the, by the end of the seventies, I was living it full time. <laughs> and, um, but I think that that's kind of how it is. You know, you start, you start with a little bit of a, it's it, at first, it's kind of a little bit of a costume, yeah. but then the next thing you know, you're hanging out down by the docks, you're eating shrimp with all the, the tail still on it with like all the arms, you're just eating them raw with the shell and everything, not cooking them. And then you're like, geez, it's like I've become, I've become my father. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like the machine wants more of what you give it. It, st- it, it. it only starts as a facade or this alter ego, but there's almost no choice but to just keep rolling and it evolves into its own beast. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people take themselves very seriously. They're like, oh, I'm in a band. I'm going to write these very serious songs. Pay attention to my very serious thing. 
And when you're manifesting something out of nothing, why wouldn't you want to be eating shrimp heads or on the boat, you know, margaritas or whatever it is, beautiful girls, maybe not that attractive girls, but just, you know, easy, fun, breezy, Southern California life, man. I, I totally feel you. And I totally love that because you, you're very serious about your music, right? So, because I, I just listened to it again uh, tonight before the podcast and, mm-hmm. and I heard the rich textures of like deep, like harmonies, beautiful harmony texture, sax on like almost every song, um, shredding stuff back and forth vocals. It, it, it's a, it's a beautiful sonic experience. And if you, if you, if you present it to the world in a very serious form, it's just, it's off-putting to me. I think it's off-putting to the, to the general consciousness. So yeah. to take the piss out of yourself and have fun and create a fun persona that, why wouldn't you do that anyway, right? So I, I love it. And that's what, that's what I'm doing with, with my thing as well. And uh, it's very nice to see you guys doing what you're doing. So you got, you figured it out exactly. You know, I just saw a couple of spins in. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we both love music, obviously very specific kind of music. People have said it's like if the Beatles went to Margaritaville, you know, something along those lines, the both love harmonies, both love just long guitar solos. This guy can do it better than I can. But um, the, the saxophone, that's a guy Max found in Chicago. Unbelievable. Francois, shout out. But I think as a segue into just art at large, usually the people that you like the best, it's, you can kind of hear their full personality in their music. And some people are really serious. You know, you ever meet those people? I've only met a couple in my life that are really, truly serious. And then if I heard, if I hear, I'm, I'm sure if I was to hang out with like Fiona Apple, yeah. probably a very serious person, probably <laughs> wouldn't laugh at any of my jokes, would probably be forcibly removed from her house with a restraining order to follow extremely, extremely soon. But the point is, like Frank Zappa asked, does humor belong in music? And you know what? I think is if you're a funny person, if you like a few couple two tree goofs, then I think your audience is going to want that in your music. You, you want you want your art to be pretty congruent with the person that you are. I think that's the way it was designed to be yeah. by our God. I think it would be, it would be a catastrophe otherwise because um, our vibration or our frequency that we emit from ourselves is going to be what our source code is. Right. And if, and if we're trying to create something that's not that it comes off as fraudulent, it just comes off like, cause you know, often when we're growing up, we want to be something and we think we want to be this thing but until we mature a little bit, do we realize what we really are? Right, and, yeah. and if you're light and fun and like to crack jokes and want to be very serious about stacking harmonies, guitar solos, and Francois, um, you know, saxophones in Chicago, then that's what's going to come out. And when I listen to it, it's a lot of fun. And, and it's not just a lot of fun. It's amazing. The hooks are there. The energy is there. Like, it does not sound like you are trying to sound like you're having fun. So what was a typical recording night? It's just fun. Just having fun. It's like almost like, a, can you get the other guy to laugh from a line you're writing or performing? It's, and and um, when we did all that rhythm section tracking stuff, we did a lot of that live. Did that at a place called King Size Studios. And an, we, an amazing place. Actually playing guitar, I'd be playing, playing bass. And maybe you end up overdubbing the parts later, but you're trying to capture the, 
the magic of the live performance. That's that's where it's at. So the things in the computer, they draw the things in. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but to really mimic the live sound, I think that's what you're talking about. The the the, the energy. Every time I put it on, I almost listen to the whole thing straight through. A lot of other people have said that too. It's there's a wild energy that comes from it. Like it's a lot of fun. There's a wild energy, and yeah, I guess I didn't pinpoint that, but it sounds like the it was recorded live. It has that live wild energy. And that's something that is not, you don't really hear that all the time. I wanted to shout out though, our great drummer, cause you mentioned it, Dr. Weed, who has now changed his name. The, mo- the, the, the moniker has changed. Now yeah. the key lime guy, the key lime guy, obviously a play on words on the key lime pie, but perfect to fit your needs in uncle salsa and the Pelican boy and the yacht rock vibe. Um, was he eating a lot of key lime pies during this quarantine? He has been actually a lot. So we've been, you know, we've already been, I think we've recorded another two albums basically, or at least started enough songs that you could, if, if they were done, they, it's a lot of material. And we were, I just had this idea cause we love Brian, you know, we love the Beatles and Ringo like, Oh, you got to give Brian a song. So I, I, I cooked up a little thing. And then I was hitting him, like, give me some lyrical ideas. And it was like, one text was kind of funny. And then the second, they kept getting funnier. And the last one was Key Lime Guy. <laughs> and so I put Max on a FaceTime. And they were like, oh, let's see if Brian's available. Let's see if the Key Lime, but Dr. Weed's available. And we, put, we, wrote, we wrote this song like that. And so we got that one in the vault, but that's where it came from. But what he is, what he is doing is, you know, something came out of him from that, and he ended up going and buying an. I was like, well, you know, you should buy an acoustic guitar. Maybe you'll start writing songs. Because that's, I mean, sometimes, what I, I'm more of a keyboardist, but so sometimes when I'm on, a, I'm on a guitar, I don't think about it. And he bought one, and he's written like three really good songs so far. No, he shit. sends him video demos. I'm really proud of the guy, frankly. Well, I, I, I miss him. You know, because I was jamming with him. He is the drummer of the, uh, you know, the Misho experience. And we were, we were jamming two to three times a week for a few months at a time. And uh, we'd go to the Red Lion after and, you know, talk about our childhoods and, uh, and drink beer. I wish and, I could go to the Red Lion. That's a great place. What's, uh, what's it like in your world other than outside of the music or outside of the studio? What's... Uh, What's the general vibe like in the streets? Is it uh, is it doom and gloom? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's pretty much right. Reg- it's it's more or less what I would do, anyways. Like I'll go to the park, go for a drive, go hit the beach, you know. And it's just it's there's 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 I think it just depends on what you want. Like I'm not, I guess you can't go to the bars. That's really the only, that's like yeah. the biggest difference. For, I still go to restaurants. You can go to a restaurant. You're outside. You're not inside anything anymore. You're not really going to the mall or going, you can't go to the office. Obviously it's illegal for me to go to the office that I work at. You have to get an approval from the CEO of the company. Holy I, shit. Yeah. But you know, you're wearing a mask. I'll go for a run in the morning. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I've been spending way too much time at home, but it's you know, the volume of work has increased because everybody's on the computers all day. So I made that decision in the last couple of days to be like, all right, seven o'clock, I'm done. Maybe go down to the studio or maybe not. Maybe just read a book, kind of have time for yourself. But yeah, it's not as, it's not what the news is making it out to be. Okay. That's, that's, uh, that's good. Cause first of all, I don't know what's going on in the news cause I don't watch it. 
I, I just watch Lord Joe Rogan. That's all I do. I thought you were going to say Lord of the Rings. No, Lo- have- Lord Rogan. <laughs> I just have the entire trilogy just constantly going in my house. And The Hobbit. It's how I find all my information. Oh, interesting. <laughs> okay, so segue back into your music. Was this, uh, I guess, quarantine time? Uh, did it push you to release this stuff? Because last time we spoke when I was in town, I know you, you guys were, were constantly working on it. Was there a planned release date or did this spawn the release date? You know, this whole thing was honestly, if we're trying to talk about it seriously, like this was a sort of after hours fun thing to do. Brady has, you know, Brady works at a record label. I'm a producer and we would get together after after the the day's work and we would meet up at these recording studios in Los Angeles and just have a really great time. We'd go really late, have a really good time. And so there was never even a thought of, oh, is this going to like, when are we going to do it? When are we going to release it? Uh, like what's the marketing strategy for this? Like we didn't even know what the name of it was because it was just for fun. And um, you know, the quarantine stuff happened and then a lot of the world started burning and then we had it mastered and we were like, well, it doesn't really make sense to put out this, these feel good songs about seafood. And then eventually we just said, actually, maybe it is, maybe it's a great time to put out feel good songs, mostly about seafood and uh, nautical themes. And I think what it did was when it came out, a lot of people that were just sort of sick of the day-to-day anxiety and hatred, they just realized that when you go to this, this uh, little shrimp town, that you, you, know, you have a good time. And all of a sudden, the, the person you want to be, you can be. And so I think that that's, it was all a happy accident. And so everybody who, who came to came to the project so far is just really authentically liked it because they, they said, you know, one of the best compliments I heard was it's, it's not thirsty in any way. And I said, that's good. I liked that because I don't think it is thirsty. There's no, there's no, Hey, there's no trick. There's no, Hey man, I'm really looking for a radio hook. Like, I don't know. I think we could turn this chorus up. I think we could jack it up. And of course, as a music producer, that's like how I have to think most of the time. But if you really stop giving a fuck, you can make some stuff that feels good. I think that kind of translates. So I was happy with that. Yeah, and I think a lot of people spend their lives, things are very serious. Got to get the job or I got to get into the school. I got to get the job. I got to get the promotion. I got to get the relationship. I got to get the car. I got to get the house. Got to get these things. You got to get these things. Then you can't, you can't lose them. So it's very serious. And it's like the opposite of that. We're saying, who gives a shit about any of that stuff? Just have a good time. And the, the, I, I there was a couple of years ago when that Andy Kaufman, Jim Carrey documentary came on where he was talking about the thing that changed his career. And I'm not saying this is going to change our lives or our careers, but I, it, something went in the back of my head where he's, when he realized that people just wanted to be free from concern, that's when he invented sort of that wacky stage persona he had. And that's when he took off and had the mask and Ace Ventura and Dumb and Dumber in one year. And, you know, it changed his life forever. And so uh, that's just kind of how I've been living my life and how the project has come to be like, why not have a really good time? But it really comes through. And so like we were saying, there was, there was no planned release. It was just a good time, feel good time. And you figured that you could release a, a potential antidote, you know, that could, you could throw into the consciousness and that would, uh, not thirsty, not looking for anything. It wasn't sugar coated in something and pretending it was something else. 
There's just fucking good vibes and people need good vibes. That's it. It's sort of solidified a little theory too, that there's like an, an audience for everything. And oftentimes when you look at, let's just say your social media feed, um, you know, you generally, you kind of pick up on the daily zeitgeist. I know daily zeitgeist isn't, that's not how you should use the term, but you know, the, the, the daily feel and, the and flavor, and the, the flavor. Mood. And then a lot of times we're, we're conditioned as, as tribal beasts to say like, well, this is how everybody's thinking. This is how everyone's behaving. So I better, you know, do a quick copy and paste of another thing that I saw and make sure that everyone knows that I'm thinking like that. And, and, and virtue signaling, I right? All that kind of stuff. And, and especially when you're trying to market your own music, you're just like, well, I mean, I don't know are people, I mean, this is a very serious time. Do I need to kind of, should we, should, <laughs> is this the appropriate time? But I think I learned that when you do the opposite and you just put out something that has nothing to do with it, a lot of people that are, are, are attracted to it are the people who are just like so sick of everything and they go, oh my God, I just really, really appreciated the fact that somebody was doing something that was, you know, going against or at least going away from what I thought was kind of my new existential experience yeah like what i need to do this is what i need to put out because everyone's doing that and i need to play my part but it's that's fucked i can't do it clearly you guys can't do it and you put out this music that's authentic and then people get it and it's and it's in terms of uh the uncanny valley of of marketing when you like kanye you know well kanye everything he does but you know that video where his shoulders are super wide yeah that cuts through the uncanny valley so the uncanny valley is what pierces through the subconscious so when mm-hmm. everyone's posting the same bullshit over and over and over, all you have to do is literally be yourself, have a lot of fun, be flamboyant, and you're going to pierce through that, that consciousness, that, sure. that balance of normal. Mm-hmm. But you're innately doing that by just being yourself, having a party, and throwing that party out in the world. Well, and you know, to, I mean, maybe this is a bit controversial to say. I'll see how Max reacts to it. Oh, excuse oh, boy, me, the Pelican Valley reacts to this. You know, everything's very safe right now. You know, a man has to act a very specific way now. It's like an updated code. And it's, I don't know, what do you call him, a soy boy? You know, (laughs) somebody is like very like almost apologizing for his true nature, like biological nature. I'm not talking about the the toxic elements of being a man. I don't know. That's We tried to capture some of that energy, you know. There's some songs on that record that are for men. Not because we're like, let's make a song for men. This means no lady in their right mind would want to listen to that again and again, right? You know, so when I think about you, baby, you know, stuff like that. Like that's the those are the feelings of a man. Yeah, and you you have to be one hundred percent pure raw man. Sometimes you got to let it out. The David Lee Ross, the Sammy Hagar's, the Pete Townsend. Well, maybe not Pete Townsend. He got into some trouble. But you know, you know what I'm talking about, like the. Macho stuff. In terms of, you know, putting out your project and seeing who's who's the who's the demographic for this. You know, what's my 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 market potential with Uncle Salsa and the Pelican Boy? It's really like what I'm seeing in in any great business or any great industry is that the power is in the niche. The more focused that you can be in what you do, the 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 bigger your your reach, the bigger your potential to to strike a chord. Because if not, it's just like pissing in the ocean. And you're nothing. You're just competing with everyone who's doing the same fucking thing. Yeah, the thirsty music is 
So, so by, by thirsty, you mean like very contrived, trying to match some kind of top 40 formula or sound palette or, or kind of personality? I call it music for managers. Right. It's like, because uh, you, you, usually as a producer, you know, you're, you're meeting with artists and pretty much every artist is down to clown basically on anything. And we love wild ideas. A, a real artist, that's how you really know a real artist is when they, you show them a, a pretty wild side of them and they want to chase it down and, they, and they, they love it. They oh, I can't believe it. I've never heard anything come out of my mouth like that. It's great. And then, and then you know, you, you leave a studio, you high five. Woo, that was so fun. And then they show it to the manager and the manager goes, oh, you know, I mean, I don't know if it re- it's not going to like play on the radio. I mean, I, I, I don't think it's like accessible, you know, yeah. and it's it's it takes all the fuss. Like, oh, this is a song I really liked. And then, you know, C- Captain just like, you know, the manager man comes in. The guy with the suit comes in and tells you that you can't release it. Captain Algorithm comes in. Are we yeah. really going to get New Music Friday with this? You know? Are we going to get a pitchfork, blah, blah, blah? Maybe pitchfork isn't your thing. or Yeah. And, and that's really just, it's, I come from, in my, in my previous life, I was in a business that sold essentially a commodity product. And the only thing, the only differentiator was really the personality that we had, that my dad had, that my brother had. But the product itself um, was just a run-of-the-mill product. It was the same as everyone else's. If, if my competitor dropped the price by 5%, I would lose that business just because that's how it rolls. And that's how I, I see a parallel in, in, in thirsty music, as you call it, because it's just, it's not doing anything for the brand or the artist. It's really just filling a hole that no one's going to remember or give a fuck about in one week or maybe even that day. And it's, it's, it's vanity metrics. It's, it's upfront glory. Hey, we got these spins. We got this, that, but there's no compounded interest on the, on the side of the artist which is essentially what we're trying to do, right? You're, you guys are artists, I'm an artist. And with every release, we want to compound. But if, our, if we're listening to these kinds of managers and every release, we're not compounding interest and we're just filling some hole for some manager, then it's, uh, it's not even law of diminishing returns. It's just a, a fail, a failed pursuit. So I, must, I, I feel bad for, for artists who are, who are in that. Hmm. Right, because we have to figure out how to build that compounding interest, and by you guys leaning into what you really are deep down in your souls, that is really the only way that you're going to get people to really like you and love you. Like people are going to watch this. You know, we're just starting this podcast; it's not going to be trillions just yet. But you're showcasing your your sense of humor, and this is refreshing because everyone's used to being so fucking safe. Everyone's used to saying what they need to say, but in the I feel like the future for artists is, is quite independent in nature because if you can just talk some serious shit like Liam Gallagher and Noel, and Noel Gallagher, then you can just build your own audience by yourself and then they will come to you. They will flock, motherfuckers. They will flock. Yeah, the music industry is going through a little problem like in that sort of cycle, I think, where you people go, well, does this sound like... Hold on. I need something that goes... I love it so much. I love it so much. You know, and it's like, well, this is going to slap. And you guys feel free to take any of those little licks and sample no, them because that, that was that pure gold. But I just, that's what I was pure In the next gold. 10 years from when this post, that'll be a, somebody will take that. Um, but, you know, 
they they want songs like that and they 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 and generally and because it, it makes sense because they're spending money if you're a record label you're spending money on putting this product out so of course they go oh well i need something that is going to you know it's, i want it to sound like something that's already made money and they don't want to take the risk on something that would be a little bit more from the heart that would find a more niche audience like you said and so then all of a sudden when it's not performing they go well i don't understand why is this not performing Oh, because it sounds like because there's no there's no face to it. It's just it's a mask. It's a mask to put on. But I always used the analogy back. I used to be in this other band back in the day where we would wear real crazy stuff. I wore like wings and like seven foot or seven inch like platform boots. We painted our faces and stuff. And I was uh, telling the band just like my analogy was like a grocery store line that goes all the way back to the end of the grocery store and everyone's waiting in it everyone's in their cool little flannel shirts with their cool fender mustangs and their really nice haircuts and and they're waiting to get to the the register but then all of a sudden over on aisle four paul stanley from kiss is behind the register he turns on the light people who 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 wants to come over to my aisle how many people want to rock and roll tonight people and then it's like a lot of and a lot of people are like uh no like i'm not gonna do that and then if you do it, if you if you give the people something that they'll remember, you get a little bit, you, you do the showmanship route, you at least do something that is going to set you apart from people. I, I see. Then when you fail, which you inevitably will because this business is impossible, when you fail, you at least fail doing what you like to do on your own terms. Exactly. Exactly. And I love that, that grocery store analogy because that's the one you gave me. Because we had some nice in-depth talks about, about branding and, and persona and all of these things. And that's what helped me lean into the, the fifth dimension time travel thing. You know, the logo, the suit, the, the whole aesthetic. It's like, if I'm going to give this a go, I'm not going to fight a whole bunch of other people who look cool in jean jackets, who look cooler than me. I'm going to create something that they're going to think looks so fucking stupid and ridiculous and I don't care if I look like, you know, Jean-Luc Picard and rock and roll because I love rock and roll and I love Jean-Luc Picard and I don't see anyone else doing it. So I'm the, that's my Paul Stanley cash register. Photos of you now, I find you almost intimidating, like you're the commander of some fleet of some military and not intimidating in a negative way, like you're an authority figure. So I don't think it's stupid at all. It's really great. Absolutely. And but it takes a certain kind of courage. Because another thing that we've all discussed before is uh, fearlessness, right? Like when we talk about Kanye or we talk about any other artist who, who even Cardi B, for example, fearless, says whatever the fuck she wants, just goes. And not everyone can be fearless because fearless means that you have to travel a road that is, hasn't been really paved before, right? You're, you're charting into uncharted territory. But what you're doing there is that you are creating your grocery aisle you're creating your niche and so you can do the cool guy route and like you know sound like someone else and you maybe you'll get some some playlisting or you'll get some kind of you'll be part of some scene but you're not gonna make any strides and it take ball it takes balls at the end of the day to do that and what you guys are doing takes balls because you are doing something that sounds like nothing else nothing else that that is it look i don't listen to a lot of yacht rock but I'm hearing a lot of 70s and 80s influences 
that sound amazing together, but with so much personality and back and forth and all this epic shit. And it's rock and roll. And like I said, when I listen to it, I feel drunk. And I, I, I think you guys are going to do uh, way better than you even expect you will. The other really good thing is when you set your expectations at zero, everything is just unbelievable. You know, like everything that you get back. Yeah, I was expecting nothing. So I'm really jacked up. But I really appreciate what you're saying, yeah, my man, about getting that. listening to it and getting drunk. <laughs> okay. I, uh, yeah, I can sound really- drunk without the booze. Have you talked about about any of this on your show yet? Because we only saw one episode aired before because we're doing a little, wanted to be like, want to be caught up. I always talk about AI stuff or like future future prediction stuff. I think about that kind of stuff all the time. Like 150 years from now, would you even be able to talk to somebody like in the same way? You ever watch old interviews with people from like the 20s, but they're like on this, maybe not 20s, but like 60s. Like people on the, so that's like our parents' generation. Like just like, there's a lot of interviews. It's just like regular people. It's not like interviews. It's not like Dick Cavett, like on the TV. It's just like people on the streets and the way they like talk and answer questions. It's a totally different thing. They talk from like a different place in their minds. I was watching this eighties, like, like uh, it was like the mall rat generation, you know, like the, the Tiffany the and Valley the, girl. New Kids on the Block kind of era, and they were going around to the malls and interviewing people. And they're like, "Hey, like, why? Do, what do you think about the mall?" And they're like, I, "I tell you what, we just think these malls are just great." You know, it's like, who would say that? You know what I mean? Oh, I every day after school, me and my friends, we come to this mall. We just think it's the greatest. You know, we have fun. We show people our cool new clothes. And it's like, no kid would talk like yeah. that anymore. It's like, yeah, you know, like now, now they talk like they're already rappers. You know what I it's mean? It's because you're seeing it on your phone or your watch or your computer or your, t- we're on screens all the time. So you're getting all of these different communication styles and mixing them up. People are just in their own little tribes. Oh, hey, golly gee. It's good to see you again, Marianne. Go down to the TJ Maxx and pick up some slacks, you know, that type of thing. It's pretty funny. It's like idiocracy. It's sort of like it's that. Exactly, I had, it's exactly. I had that moment when I was watching Billie Eilish talk. I'm like, oh, she's kind of like the like. No offense, she's a really good she's artist. The first idiocracy. She's a great artist. Don't get me wrong, but like they're like they're That's like right. so like show, show like tell us like your influences. You know, it's like super like dope. Like you know, I don't really have like I'm not even doing a good job of what she does. But she, it she she was like talking like yo, it's like insane, yo. Like it's just like I get these mads like inspirations yo and like shit's like dope and i just like follow it we, like, s- we oh. sound like boomers compared to billy eilish well that's we are compared we we pretty much are boomers but yeah that's true like do you think you could really um communicate with your great great grandfather well yeah i think there's body language and tone of voice go a long way but maybe you couldn't understand what they're saying in some sense i don't <laughs> My wife is British and I can barely understand her half the time. Why did you say? You know, I, I, I think you can tell a person, a lot of communication is the intention of the creature. So you can get a vibe. But that's why now I sound like a boomer. Dope. Brett, does that make me sound like less of a boomer? No, I actually Dope. think you sound like a boomer when you start saying that stuff. Dope. Red. You know, there's always Yeah, you some- date yourself. <laughs> Some guy in every friend circle who talks like a little bit too much like the teenagers. Yo, man, that is so flame, dude. Oh, man. 
Like that it's is lit, man. Dude, it's Holy so shit. lit. And I think that's how you sound like a boomer. I think if you just yeah. talk like yourself. But no, that's a good point, Michelle. I gotta say that made me a little. My great grandfather would think I was a soy boy. Totally. Yeah. Oh yeah, soft as fuck. They had, <laughs> they had five kids by the time they were eighteen years old. You know, <laughs> out in the fields doing something or working somewhere in some factory. Grandpa, God. it's called a CBD latte. Yeah. Yeah, it's fucking badass, Grandpa. God, it's true. It's so. Uh, Seth Rogen just released a movie about this. Oh, I watched that. That was good. I really liked it. What was it called? Uh, American Pickle or something? Yeah, an American Pickle. That was excellent. He gets pickled in a factory, and he meets his like his big dream when he lived in uh, where the hell did he live? Poland what? or something? Oh, in. Uh, I don't know. I think it might have even been a uh, uh, nondescript joke country. Okay. Well, whatever it was, his big dream was to drink uh, seltzer water. Like he said, you know what? If I make it big one day, I want to have, you know, fizzy water. That's what I want to have. And then he wakes up in 2020 and his great grandson has this machine in his, uh, in his spot. And then he ends up building an empire. Uh, spo- spoiler warning, but movie was awesome. And, and, it. and it just, it displayed that and things are, they move fast, but not that fast. Right. Because we're, we, we have our entourage. We have the people we live with. It's uh, uh, like every generation has like a big gap, right? That big generation gap between parents and their kids is that gap. Exactly. Like our parents had that gap with their, with our grandparents. Like it was always the same struggle. It's always that, that change. And there's genetic mutations apparently that happen to us every generation as well. Like there's a bunch of genes that alter. So there's like tiny little mutations that are happening, happening with every iteration of us. So there's, the new kids on the block are literally different. My, I always say that my brother had, my younger brother had a software update, right? So he's wiser than I am, even though he's younger, because he has, he has the new shit. And as, and as look, soy boy or, or whatever the Billie Eilish generation, uh, maybe they have like these skills in them that are going to allow them to go forward in the world. Like we think like, how can they move forward, but they're going to prosper and invent crazy ass shit and have totally different attitudes than we did. Just like our parents, my dad always told me like, what the fuck can you really do? You can't do shit. And we all do it. The, the, the species keeps moving. Gentlemen, everything gets a little bit better. And then also things like, the, the, the good stuff from the, the past dies and it gets worse. It's like pretty, it's pretty, um, it's interesting. But it only dies in our opinion. Yeah. That's interesting. I think maybe like, so what do you think if, if, if idiocracy, because what you're describing, I've heard described as the naturalistic fallacy, which is basically no matter what happens in the future, it's inherently what's supposed to happen. Like it's, it's inherently the good evolution versus trying to attach like some morality to it. Like some people would watch that movie idiocracy and say that it's gotten worse, you know, because we've lost, you know, all knowledge of what art used to mean. And we lost like describing capacities like that's we lost eloquence to a level that like actually is irredeemable. Like, you know, if you listen to 
the way people talked in like the 1860s. They're like, I bespoke to that man about my quandary. And, and they, they have these, this really like robust language. And then if, I think eventually you might be, you might lose so much of it that it almost becomes like primate days where you're just kind of grunting at each other. So I don't know. It, I guess what I'm yeah. is it possible for the future to actually be worse. Who knows? I, th- I think as, well, and that's only from our perspective, right? From our view, it's worse. But for someone born 200 years from now, we seem just weird and, and historic. And just like, I don't know, maybe people 200 years before us will see us in that same light. So as we see things evolving from our eyes, we can judge it and say, oh, this is getting worse. But that's only from our perspective because it's, it's, you know, it's that innate fear of change and we're used to something and we grew up with something and we're seeing it transition. But to the people born in the future, they ain't gonna, they won't know the difference. To them, they're going to think they're Shakespeare and they're going to think that their great-grandkids are fucking morons. What do you think, Uncle Salsa? Controversial opinion. I don't think people matter as much as we think they do. And here's, what, here's how I want to support it because that might be a very shocking thing for someone to hear out of context. We have these drives as creatures to reproduce and to survive and all of these things. Sometimes I feel, and I was telling you this the other day, that people, humans, are the flowers of our DNA. We're just these things that have been created in this world that advance the DNA's cause. Eating, keeping you know, the body alive, keeping the cells alive to get the DNA to pass it along to mix with somebody else. You know, your bloodline may matter more than you. Now, that could be wrong, but it could explain a lot of those things. Things may seem like they're getting worse and getting better, but for humanity, are they getting better on the whole? Probably. But there are going to be things on the normalized curve in the you know, what, three sig or four, four sigma all the way, all the way out there. You're going to have the ultra rich and like the ultra poor, but there's just going to be this big thing in the middle that keeps getting better and better. How, how do you guys feel about that? Maybe that's a crazy thing to say. I like it. I think about that every day. I think that humans are right in line with what you just said. We're just vessels carrying DNA to get it for like to push it further into the cosmos. Right. So I see really humans as, and this is also controversial if you take it out of context, but we're like ants. Like, let's say you zoom out and you can see every day as a thousand years. We're just the ants that built this grid that the next cyborg race, which will be a hybrid, will be able to function upon, right? And so we're building the grid, right? Right now, we are contributing by putting out music, by being on a Zoom call, by doing all this stuff. We are contributing to the strengthening of the grid. We are creating demand for more cable to be dispersed throughout the planet. So if you look at those thousands and thousands of years, this ant race called humans connected the grid and everything we do, whether we scroll, watch porn, uh, do Zoom calls, spend time in the studio, everything we do is literally increasing the grid. And as technology increases and we start to become cybernetic, we will just be the, the race that, that kind of set up the matrix for the next versions of us to go out into space. And we're just in our hamster wheels, you know, watching our TVs, making sure that the power stays on so that they can send us out or they, we can send them out. Well, let me ask you a question then, because I forget, is it Moore's law? 
that the you know the power of computing doubles whatever every year or 18 months whatever it is do you think based upon Moore's law and the advancements about things have gone because i remember playing a super nintendo as a kid mario and you're like wow this is this is amazing this is in my house this is better than what's at the arcade and then the nintendo 64 comes out it's 64 bits instead of 32 or 18 whatever it is 16 and you're like 3d mario i'm in the castle i'm it's i'm swimming somehow and then now you look at what people are doing you you mean you had golden eye you had halo now people are living in these virtual worlds building minecraft building starship enterprises that are to scale in a virtual world with other people connected on the planet. So I guess my question is, how do you feel about the simulation? Do you think that a simulation is inevitable or it's already occurred or it's a ridiculous thing? I love thinking about it. First of all, I think there's no way that we can, or there's no way that I can tell. I'm, I'm definitely no scientist, but I like to think about stuff. I'm a, I'm a bro scientist. So podcasts are supposed to talk about stuff well yeah absolutely and that's what we're, i love talking about this stuff so the, are we living in a simulation i don't know but i like to live like i am because if it's a simulation it tells me that anything's possible and it tells yep. me that i can create this reality and it's user generated i like to believe that i'm like kanye said playing uh, grand theft auto but the player has figured out that he's in grand theft auto and now he can he's realized that the rules don't really exist and he can do whatever he wants so I like to live my life like that. Just do whatever the fuck I want. Um, are video games eventually going to evolve into a simulation? I think 1 million percent. If you look at where Pong was and where the new Spider-Man game is, for example, it's, it's pretty crazy. And, and I, this game. I haven't seen that yet. It, 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 just looks, it just looks absolutely beautiful. And I think it's just the way it's going. And I guess with Moore's Law... I figure, I don't know, 20 years, we're going to have these worlds that we can just inhabit and never leave a chair, kind of like idiocracy, where we shit in there and we get this chemical cocktail to balance us out. So you're going to plug in and you're like, I want to watch the Beatles if they had all been alive in 1976. And then I want to fuck Rihanna. And you can do that. And you can just live it. Yeah, Why I, would you- I, th- I think that's, com- that's for sure coming. Like, what's the... The, the consequences to humanity for that, then we were, we were the most self-destructive creatures on the planet then. Well, I, I think, I think, oh, sorry, cut you off. No, no, no. I'm just, uh, I was going to say a bunch of ridiculous, like, I don't know where I was going, but yeah. What do you think about that? Well, the, the Pareto principle, the 80, 20 rule, uh, the 80, 80% of the people are really just doing the bidding of the 20%, let's say. And so there's always going to be like smart people, Elon Musk's of the world and who are connecting themselves to things. And they're going to be making sure that all these people playing these virtual reality games and stuck in a, you know, a simulation fucking Rihanna all day long, they're going to be contributing to some kind of output or else there would be no net benefit to the species. Because as smart as Elon Musk or Zuckerberg may be, I think that on like a a consciousness and subconscious like genetic level, we're doing things that are going to propagate our our genes, like you said. So I, I think... If we're doing that, it'll, it'll serve the whole, it'll serve uh, genetics. It'll serve uh, terraforming other planets. So you fucking Rihanna in your, in your weird lazy boy that has a, a shithole in it, 
will well, actually be contributing. Well, like you will be contributing to to furthering the uh, the genes of from Earth across you, galaxies. That the Matrix, we're ba- we're basically batteries. Then we're basically these power cells that power this grid. Not in the same direct way as in the Matrix, but you doing that adds to society. So you're just is like Wally, where I'm like a fat guy on one of those bed. Sure. Yeah, sure. Because I think everyone is contributing. Like we all, by watching porn, porn was like 80% of the internet in the first five years of the internet. If it wasn't for porn, like PayPal or any of these cool internet companies wouldn't have, wouldn't have happened. They would have been. Well, it's a lot of the advancements that I've seen in music, just speaking to my own experience, they've come from porn. All like a lot of them, whether it's video fidelity going up or these pay to play models, or they have this now you go you watch a live show on stage it or whatever it is, right? Whatever the platform is, and you can send these tips in. You're watching a guy or a woman or whoever, non gender, whatever the hell you're supposed to say these days, perform, and you're like, oh, five hundred dollars just got sent. That's a strip club thing. That's a virtual strip club thing. So you can oh, that must have come from porn. So it's this again. Back to what words. is porn? Fair enough. Good. I've question. never even heard of this. <laughs> oh, it's uh, it's chess. It's chess that you play online, and you can watch people do it, and it's very exciting. And when you like, when they pull a move that that you can pull yourself, you usually give a tip. Interesting. That's what it was. I've heard that too. How it's really responsible for the advent of the internet. And just like how, you know, they had that, the history of beer or whatever, and how like low key beer was one of the things that grew so much of society and industry. Like oftentimes I think it's a beautiful concept that like the lowest qualities within us are the things that drive into like the next frontier, which is probably true for something like, you know, if you do believe in a simulation, like it was certainly caused by this social media AI algorithm, like whatever whatever i always liked the idea if, if there was such thing as a simulation which i you know it's like talking about religion but that it it's something that ha- that has happened in the future if that makes sense you know it, like that's like we're moving towards the simulation like this whole thing is sort of like this pull into this yeah. thing that already happened that started this whole thing which sounds weird but i actually can see how that would happen especially when you get into something like if you programmed an ai and actually had it reach that sort of God, God status to a point where it could, it could assign data points to every molecule in the universe. You know what I mean? Which sounds insane, yeah. but it's like, okay, but... At what some about point, it? it's inevitable, right? Not in a thousand years. Like it's, it's not outside of my imagination to assume that one day an AI could be so powerful that it could assign a data point to every molecule. And then all of a sudden, once that, was, once that happens, then, uh, then that's one piece of software away from this what we're living right now so i can see that being it's kind of a weird dorky sci-fi way to look at the world and i don't know how much good it ultimately does it's kind of it reminds me of thinking about free will it's like i think it's fine it's almost like semantics at some point and i'm not really sure how productive you can be by thinking about it but you know like free will does that exist no no way you know but like isn't that the whole thing like you, we could never quant so like the, the stupid expository sentence that I'm in the middle of 
I don't know when, when it's going to end. I don't really know where it's going, but anybody could argue that, you know, it's based on the, the chemical drips and what I ate today and what I've said before. And really there's no, like, it's perfectly entirely predictable what I'm going to say next. Yeah. Like it's like, it's like spilling a punch bowl on the ground and let watching it trickle out. If you had everything measured, you would see exactly how it would trickle out and how every little micro fiber would, would absorb the punch. But I suppose that since it's such a large matrix of possibilities, it's like, it's a, it's infinity, I suppose. Like we just call that free will. So yeah, we have free will because we don't really know how to explain this mysterious thing. So like, yeah, there's a simulation because we don't know how to explain why time could be circular, but maybe it's not. So it's just like, it ends up being like language concepts to me. It's still kind of fun to talk about. Yeah, but you said that quite beautifully. And, and it really is quite unproductive for your daily life to talk about free will. Because as, lo- as far as we know, we choose what we do. What, right? we, we do our best to, to feel good in the morning and be productive. And then we blow off some steam and that is what it is. Um, you zoom out and you see, okay, well, the human race will create uh, this and they'll, create, they'll eventually create the internet and they'll eventually put data points on every star in the galaxy, whatever. Sure, that's inevitable. And we're all moving towards that. Right? Like we're all like molecules of water that are shooting down a hallway and we're in there. But while we're in there, we're, we're, we don't know where it's going, right? It's just a vibe. It's got to ride the wave. You're trying to balance it out to like all the sort of, I don't know, what do you want to call this? Let's just say everything under the umbrella of the simulation or sort of, you know, scientific. What's, what's really the value of the, of the human experience? I try to balance that with like everything that I think about like dreams and the soul and like beautiful, wonderful coincidences that have happened in my life and like magic, you know, like, cause I think that those things are very real too, especially like dreams and the subconsciousness, like the, the, the collective unconscious rather. Um, you know, like I, I think that there's a lot of interesting magical stuff that's going on underneath that like that's all within the religious realm too. So I don't know. I like, I look at that. I'm like, there's a lot there that we have no idea about. And so I think maybe there is, I think that instills, it's like the yin and the yang that instills hope in me that maybe our lives really do have like capital M meaning and that it is important. Like all of our, 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 our actions are kind of measured and measurable somehow. And that maybe even there's some sort of kind of, morality that exists based on if we are all connected then you know uh maximum suffering for the most amount of people is objectively worse than maximum pleasure and creativity for the most amount of people you know what i mean like you set up kind of this thing and this organism does sort of have it's like the nervous system it's like if you want to get something done your hand like you're you're going to be able to do a lot more with your hands if you don't put them on a hot stove. So like, cause you can say, well, a hot stove is just an experience, just like building a car. Who's to say that that's, you know, any better, any better or any worse. Maybe, you know, we're learning a lot from putting our hands on the hot stove, but a part of me that looks at like the dreams and all that kind of stuff says, I don't know. I think when we work together, maybe something that even has to do with love or like kind of more of a, we're a vibrating uh, on the same wavelength and growing as opposed to being in a war with each other, shooting each other's brains out. 
a part of me thinks that maybe those things we can actually say are more objectively important to the human experience. You know what I mean? I know absolutely what you mean. And I love that you brought that up because that really brings a balance to the, the clinical side of the simulation and we're pretty much automatons with no free will and we're just drudging away. But the whole spiritual side of like magic and, and love and all these beautiful things, it's, it's, I think it's very important to be reminded of that and how much hope that gave so many people for so many years. And anyone who, who outright denies it is claiming that science knows everything that there is to know of from all time, right? Like we're still a very primitive species. So our science has, has just been bookkeeping everything it's, it's figured out how to explain up till today. And, and I think that, that magic or love or God or interconnectedness and, and the whole, let's say the, the old school, more religious view of things, I think as science evolves, I think these two will, will, will merge and they'll start explaining each other. Like they'll start explaining each other. Like if we understand more about dreams or, or we understand, because um, we, we claim coincidences, right? Are there's no such thing or whatever that is, but who knows, maybe in 10 years or 20 years or 50 years, we'll find out exactly what those things were. So, or ghosts or any of those things. So many people have seen them, UFOs, right? What if, what if science, the further it goes, just starts to explain this it stuff? And anyone who says that, oh, science hasn't proven it, they are correct. They are correct, but it's like saying that someone who's six years old who goes to school knows everything there is to know. So we just have to keep in mind that we know nothing, Jon Snow. And it, and, it, and it keeps the heart going. It's a magical thing. We really don't know anything. That's true. Yeah. It reminds me when the first day I met you, Misha, we went out. And, you know, in L.A., especially in the music industry, you, you have a lot of meetings with people that you're not necessarily, you know, you don't Ever remember. Ever going to see again. Oh, work together. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I got your number. I'm going to hit you up. Cool, 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 cool. And we had a meeting that really could have easily turned into one of those things. Yeah. You know, we like met at what was, was it Beverly Hills Hotel. And um, no, no. Um, Sunset Tower. Sunset Tower. And we sat and had a little brunch and it was fun. We had a good time, but like, you know, just like, I was like, Oh, cool. It's nice to meet this person. We'll see if anything comes of, of we'll work together or not. But then we ran into each other at the airport. We had the, we shared the same terminal and you we were like, dude, I was like, Whoa, that's very interesting. And you even said something then. And you were like, see, it's not that weird. It was meant to be like this. Like I'm from the future. Basically. I'm like, this is my dude right here. Okay. Yeah. And like, it, we are, you know, almost two years later. Yeah. And we've been, we've, we've stayed in touch, kept working together, work on a, a bunch of different things. And, and yeah, that was almost like the, the signal, right? I call it like, that's the way I roll. I call it the signal from the universe that says, yeah, keep going. Because in that micro interaction we had, there was a spice, you know, there was like a, there was something much different than in the meeting. Cause the meeting is, is you know, one of those run of the mill meetings. Maybe I'll see you. Maybe I won't. Yeah. All good. But that I, I love that. And I always try to, to lean into those, to those gifts. Because look, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a primitive species, so I see it as magic. I see it as a hint from the, the 5D cloud above us. But I don't care. I roll with it, and it's been, uh, it's been good for me. And so fuck it. But yeah, I love that. I love that you brought that up. Cause that was, that's when you had long hair. I know, back when. Oh, boy. Those days. I think I might let it. See now I have I you know I drive <laughs> I drive a really 
fun convertible, but and I can't have long hair anymore because it just it'll start whipping you in the eyes. It's no good. No bueno. Your Corvette is absolutely unbelievable. So you you have is it a is it flat black? Matte black. This is this is goes out for the, to the ladies listening. So I got a really nice Corvette. It sits it seats two people. I'm gonna be one of those people. And I have room. I'm a single man. Tell me in, more. Oh, I live wow. in Los Angeles. Could I be one you of those people? You could check me out on Bumble. You could check me out on MySpace. You still look really cute. Look it up. I was thinking how sweet would it be if somebody rented a billboard for their Bumble or Tinder account or just like for their phone number? Like, does this look good? Call me here. I was, you know, I've been getting way into billboards lately, just in general. Right. Don't let's not follow this stupid. No, no, I, no, no. I like it. I like. It. Well, first of all, your Corvette it really is epic. But let's talk about this billboard thing because I love talking about marketing, yeah, and yeah, branding. Yeah. So let's 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 talk. Let's go on this thought roller coaster. In you know, in, in music marketing, Uncle Salsa and I, and I love it. It's great. It's really you learn so much. You make mistakes. You learn from them. The, the industry keeps changing, but I've been way into just like physical outdoor marketing lately and just yeah. billboards. There's something about, and like, it seems like they're, they're, they're with COVID and everything. They're cheaper than ever. And just like, if, if I, if I see an ad on, on the internet, I mean, to me, it's just absolute trash, but if I, see, like, I still find myself checking out and I know that like somewhere in the back of my brain, I know it's just as much trash, but I, I, I oftentimes, if I see something that, that's cool and like I'm driving through Silver Lake and it's some cool looking band, I'm like, what's this? And I'll actually go on my phone. It's like, that's a really good thing. Like the fact that like, I'm pretty much a regular dude, you know? So it's the fact that I'm looking at a billboard and going, yeah, what is that? What is that? Looks interesting. I would never, we would never do that on, on computers. Like if you just saw a thing, oh yeah, maybe you would click on it. But I think there's a higher retention rate and, and, we, we like look at physical outdoor ads in a weird way that we don't look at digital stuff. I like that you said that because it's rare, right? It's, it's almost like we're desensitized to ads. So we're not compelled to like look at it or stop. But when you're out in nature, you know, out in the real world, because the phone really is V1 of the virtual world, right? We're always in it. Like soon we'll just be inhabiting it. But when we go outside in the fresh air and then we see that billboard of like Uncle Salsa and the Pelican Boy, give us a call. I would, maybe I'd call, you know, I have, were there any specific ads or, or something that you have in mind that you'd like to try? She said, we're here for you. And then the phone, number. we're holding hands. <laughs> That'd be great. Why not? People would call that number. It just says we're here for you and that's it. And it just has a phone number and it's your telephone that already rings off the hook. Oh, it did you did you laugh because you already had this conversation before? First time. First time. Okay. Well, okay, so we're here from you and you'll be wearing your your Uncle Salsa gear. With the Tombolo. I need my own Tombolo signature line. Like so I I'll say this. I got into Terry Cloth not too long ago. Has you've ever seen the movie Goldfinger? Yes. Sean Connery in the they're at the Fontainebleau Hotel in Miami, Florida, playing cards, and he comes out in this blue terry cloth onesie. And I just wanted to find that same thing. Thankfully, I could not find it. There's this company called Tom Bolo in Brooklyn. They do these 
goofy terry cloth shirts and they're just like wearing a towel it's very comes very very loose very breezy i hope i get a discount code tom bolo this so tom bolo that's the dream right that's your dream sponsor well no i mean there i Sure, one of one of a hundred probably. There's so many great brands you can align yourself with. One of mine just happens to be a Terry Cloth Company. Well, um, I need to see that. You need to get one. I hope that this podcast helps you get sponsored because I think that Tombolo would be a wonderful addition to the the ever growing yacht rock market and the look of the Goldfinger blue outfit. And I think the world needs it. Absolutely. I like, I like the way you look in your, in your Tom Ooh, Bolo. I think you that's much. the whole thing. You have to find, it's just like the way you talk or write songs. You got to find that thing that expresses your essence. Um, For me, it's lobsters with rockets that are shooting out of them as they fly into space. Wow. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Wear a lot of Hawaiian shirts, but now they're becoming tired. And what my, uh, my friend, Christina, I was, you know, out in LA as this newfound single man. And I, and I was like, you know, like, yeah, and she goes, first of all, she like kind of was looking, you know, just giving me the one over with me wearing my uh, Hawaiian shirts and like, kind of like a Miami vice white jacket. She goes, women, they don't want to fuck a clown. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I said, Ooh, that's not good. Oh man. So. I don't know. There's something very fun about re-embracing like the, like, uh, and wearing a lot of, I got a big leather duster, kind of look like Morpheus. Get out of the black Corvette with that. Holy shit. That's, that's freaky. Okay. But this girl who said this lady who said that, mm-hmm. um, do you take that opinion, you know, because you're, you're a, you're a first mover, you know, you're a, uh, you're an artist, you're a different vibe. You're not your run of the mill Instagram poster. You know, you're, you're a different kind of dude, well, thank you, you know, Nick. and I know a clown who fucked a lot and his name was Gene Simmons. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Bozo. Well, Bozo <laughs> fucked second, uh, you know, but like pretty much the, the kiss look, they were like space clowns or something and they mm-hmm. fucked like crazy. So, so I don't know, man, I think you do you. Cause I think your vibe is great. And, and I think that when you lean into that, that outfit and that you like that potentially this lady saw as a clown. It's really, it's a big sign and it's very clear. And it says either you fucking want this or you hate it. There's no figuring out. There's no, it's like a girl who likes you for what you're wearing, like right there like that. She, she's, she's crossed the chasm. She gets it, you know? And I, uh, that's just me. I just want to tell the story. I'm still wearing my shrimp outfits. Don't worry. Oh, I know you were. Up. I just thought it was funny that somebody looked at me and said, you know what? Someone like women don't want to fuck no clowns. Right. Okay. They don't want to fuck a clown. And I thought that that was funny. I just, it, it is it, funny. Okay. <laughs> it's funny, but I think you're a fucking sexy clown. All right. You're one of those hot clowns. Do you guys want me to leave? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we didn't get started with you there. Uh, Johnny cash. <laughs> Tell me more. I've been going by Roy Orbison these days. Okay. Oh, yes. That is very fitting. That is very fitting. Ooh. Well, his, ooh. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty, and you're, you really wail on this. Uh, would you call it an album or the EP? Somewhere in between. It's definitely an album, though. You know, I'm, I've always been a big fan of 
short albums with like long songs. Yeah. Yeah. It's a vibe, but you really do wail. And, and there's this really crazy, like really crazy psychotic energy, like almost, and I say this in, in the best way, like a guy who's, who's doing karaoke and he's taking it fucking seriously. And he's like <laughs> screaming his fucking head off and he's into it and he wants you to be into it too. And, and it's, it's, it's intense and it's well, fucking killer. A few years ago, we worked on some music that wasn't this project and I was singing the vocal and the, I, I yelled in a certain part of the song and this guy was like, Oh, that sounds great. You should do more of that. And so that's developing some of that on this. And I was like, Oh, really? Do people want to hear you scream? But then as you practice it, yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah! All of those yell, yells, they're great. It's hey, fun. I love I love, I love listening to people singing because that's one thing if we're looping that back into what we we're talking about with like fashion, just being yourself. Sometimes I find that out of all things, singing voices are it's like people are like, no, just be yourself, sing. But it's like a lot of times when people sing, they're really not being, they don't know how to really use their own voice. Does that it's make true. sense? Like a lot of times when I hear singers, especially probably male singers, they're more likely to kind of have these like, affectations that's like i don't know like what i don't think that that is working for you you know what i mean like it's a lot of times it's nasal. Like they don't trust like what just like an honest breath would sound like or something like so when he screamed i was like that's that's what people are going to sign up for people are going to really really like that and it's um it's wild but it's almost the opposite of what we were talking about before. Just do what you like because people, because people will find you that like your voice. So just sing like however you want to sing. Yeah. So like, you, well, you sound, you sound different, right? Like you, yeah. you, you sound like you guys both sound like yourselves. I know exactly who's singing when, and it's very clear. And I know that it's an extension of your, of your speaking voice and your natural charisma. Like I hear it, I hear it and I love it. And it's fucking wild. About your own journey through your 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 voice, your singing voice. So my journey, really, really, my singing's very basic. It's uh, I just try to sing as high as I can, and whatever the fuck comes out comes out, right? So I, I talk low in the verses, and I sing high in the choruses, and whatever comes out, I don't really overthink it. I actually, I don't think I ever really think about what I'm singing, and I think that's why I consistently sound the way I do. But I don't know from an outside perspective, because I've been—I'm so used to my voice that I feel like it's—it's it's pretty much the way I talk, but in a singing way. Yeah, it makes sense. I think it's true. I just remember recording with you, and you started singing low, and I was like, "Yeah, that's what's up with that. That's good." Because you know, most—that's the thing. You usually sing in, and because something happens when you're playing, and then you take it up a, a key, and then all of a sudden it's brighter, it's a little bit louder. You're projecting a little bit more. So, oh yeah, do that. But I don't know. Once in a while, especially with a man's voice, something really, really nice about a low register. And there's something a little—I don't want to keep saying soy boy. This is going to be like a you're going to call this a soy boy podcast. There's nothing wrong with soy. Sometimes when it's like yeah, like I don't know, like there's a lot of times guys try to sing too high, and it doesn't have. It's like there's a reason that you know people wanted to have sex with like Jim Morrison and not. Like, I don't know, like Getty Lee. 
I'm sure Getty Lee got a lot of pussy, but Getty Lee was having sex with women that worked at the drum store, you know, like that Mm. sold Zildjian cymbals or like, um, you know, I'm just seeing it. I totally feel you. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's, uh, it's lower chakra energy. And actually you, you pushed me a lot to actually, you pushed me in the high register and you pushed me in the low register because I was used to singing in the middle and like staying like that throughout. But you, you, you gave me, well, you, you really gave me no choice. And I really like that about you, that working with you as a producer, uh, you didn't let me uh, dominate the room in every scenario, which is very nice because that friction creates good stuff. And Yeah, I remember, I remember very specifically. No, but that's true because with you a lot i'm always like i was like you're gonna sing like pick the right key to where you can sing the verse an octave low and then the chorus is above like because because it, it was just specifically a song that's unreleased but it's when it's released it's gonna be mwah, it's gonna mwah, be mwah. huge but like that's it but one of the things was the verse melody and chorus were very similar like they were very very similar not identical but it was more or less the same kind of cadence and the same thing. And so for, to me, it was like, well, the verse has to be an octave lower. And then, and then the chorus, you sing up pretty high. And then I remember you came into the studio that day and you're like, you know what? I was playing. I think I'm just going to take it back down and sing the whole thing is one octave. And I was like, ah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> and I was like, absolutely not. Like that, then there's no song. There's no, it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. And that was, that was the whole song. And what it, but it taught me because it was at that time that I started rehearsing with the band, with the boys. And uh, it, it just forced me to think like that and try to sing like that and learn to, to learn. Because it's easier for me to sing higher than it is lower. And it just, it, it just taught me to, you know, I went and watched some YouTube videos. I, I, I tried to figure out how to control it better. And now everything that I'm doing, like there's this new song I'm working on that I'll send you guys. And I'm singing super fucking low in the verses. And not even that high in the chorus, but it, it creates a very uh, sexy vibe, I think. Cool. And, and, it's, uh, and it's fucking cool. So thank you, uh, Pelican, for, for steering me in the right direction. You're very, very welcome, baby. Welcome, New skills, man. New skills, are, that's what's up. You just, that's, you're, you're, that's one thing I have always appreciated about you is you, you, like, uh, you want to keep going, you want to keep learning, not afraid of mistakes that's what i love people that are not afraid of mistakes because that's your biggest blessing in this life is mistakes you're not going to learn anything cool if you don't like blow it very very embarrassingly in front of lots of people no failure only feedback it's kind of Mm. hard like that yeah exactly there's no growth with no stimulus and and when you're interacting with people like even like this right we're we're focused we're well, it's two on one, but it's pretty much like we're one on one. And every time it's someone's turn to speak, it's like you want to bring it, right? So it's like a challenge. You got to be present. You got to be here. And that's what I really like about this is that, you know, we're, we're thinking about the recording. There can't be dead space. We got to say something interesting. So it's like a dance that we're doing that I, that I really enjoy. And that's what it's like in the studio. You want to put your best foot in there. If you listen deeply to what people are saying, conversation is not that hard. There's always something interesting in what somebody has to say, even when you think that the person may not be interesting. I think the three of us are interesting. I hope those of you listening think we're interesting. I think they absolutely will. There's no denying that this will be the newest podcast that you have. 
No denying it. There's absolutely no denying it. No, there's no one, no podcast of yours that is as any newer than this one. It's is the most modern podcast. This is actually the most modern podcast in the world. It might be tied for first place, but right now, as I'm saying, we are <laughs> on the precipice of time, people. Yeah, only the three of us have heard this. We're on the cusp. It's so fresh, we haven't even heard all of it yet. That's how that. fucking fresh it is. Ooh, I love that. I love those little bits. Ooh, I like that. We haven't even found the end. Brady told me something the other day about like organizing that really blew my mind. Like the two minute rule. Tell, tell me about it. What's it? Okay, wait. So what is the two minute rule? Well, that's why a great question. I'm so glad you asked. Why don't you explain it? I was really into this and it's actually really made my life. Wow. I'm surprised I wasn't doing it decades ago. So if you have a thought, thought bubbles up from wherever it does, you decide in a very simple way, can I do this in two minutes or less? If the answer to the question is yes, just do it. Because you have the thought, you did the action, and then it's gone. Because otherwise, you have the thought, you go, I'll do that later. And then you have the thought again, I'll do it later. And you keep having this, and you're wasting time. But if it takes longer than two minutes, just schedule it. Put it in your calendar. Put it somewhere else. And then the thought's gone, and you can keep freeing your mind to create or to complete action. But you get into this habit like clearing a Tetris board where you're just executing, executing, executing. You realize, oh, a lot of this stuff doesn't take as long as I think. Some It's in your life, things you're like, oh, well, that would have taken an hour. All of a sudden, you realize it only takes 15 minutes and you begin to get a different measure of time. And it's, it's very, you're giving yourself all these little dopamine hits too. Thought, did the thing. Oh, another thought. And you, you just start to build and grow in a real fast way. That's the two-minute raw. I don't know if that's an original or well, it, it really it works. But it really like works for like day-to-day kind of just admin stuff. Like we leave such busy lives, such complicated lives. Yeah. And then there's something when you know when it comes down to shoot, man. At the very be- at the lowest level, like your own personal uh, hygiene, cleanliness, your organization, like the way that your, your office is or your room or all that kind of stuff. And you're like, ah, I wanted uh, that looks, I needed to fix that. Or, ah, I don't. Like the idea is really, if you don't do it right now in these two minutes, like you're going to keep looking at that. It's going to take, it's going to take two hours away from your life your because life, you'll keep yeah. looking over at it. And you'll there be you like, sure. eh, do I want to uh, like little things? Like I remember, I remember I had a lava lamp where the light bulb wasn't in it for like three years. That's the most stoner thing I've ever said, by the way. But like, I, you know what I mean? Like I should have just changed. Like this is when I was a kid, but like people were like, oh dude, try to turn out the lava lamp while we get high. But it's like, no, there's no light in it because I haven't gone downstairs where all the light bulbs are and screwed it in. And so under the two minute rule, I mean, it's a silly example, but there's it's a great example. There's, yeah, it's there's an amazing really, example. Really good examples of this. Like, like I'm trying to think of one that happened. I mean, I've been doing, I've been kind of living like that for the last several weeks. And if I just see something I know has to get done, I just do it instantly. And it's really, it's a, it's a nice little rule because if it, if it is going to take 20 minutes, then don't worry. Don't do it now. Just do it. You know, think about a time or you don't even have to schedule it. But if it's something that like takes just two minutes or less, oh yeah, I was supposed to fire out. I remember that person wanted me to email them. Ah, you know what I mean? Like, no, you'd fire it off. Right oh, I need to write a thank you note. How does it take to write a thank you note? Think about how long two minutes is. You can listen to a song in two minutes. Get it out, write it, envelope, I, stick it. 
or like the lava lamp example. Let's say you didn't have light bulbs. Okay. Oh, I don't have light bulbs. I'll do later. No, no. Go to Amazon on your phone and buy 20 light bulbs. And now your lava lamp will be lit up for 10 years or whatever, or however long they last. That's, it starts to create, it's all, all of success in life are all these little healthy habits that you have to do every single day. I think people think there's some magic bullet, some aim it at the thing and bam, you're a celebrity. But it, well, if that's your goal, whatever your goal is, it's really all these tiny little things every day and you just got to do them every day. If there's a book of Beatles gear we have upstairs, it's 500 pages. If you think, oh, 500 pages, ah, I just read a page a day. Sometimes I'm so interested, I'll read 10 pages and I crush stuff and I don't even think about it. But you have to do it every day. You have to go, I see the book. I, instead of being like, eh, I'll read a page. It's so easy, man. And you do a lot of that stuff too. I know you've talked about a lot of your habits and things you've used to build various empires of yours. Well, I really love that two-minute rule because it's, uh, it makes so much sense because a two-minute thing will drag on you. It'll weigh on your shoulders. If you keep looking at it and it keeps staring at you, it's just, and there's mul- the thing is, there's multiple two-minute things. And if you keep staring at them, that's just hours and hours of weight on your shoulders. And like you're saying, you just... Well, you see it, if you could do it two minutes or less, just fucking do it. And then you get, you do get that dopamine hit, that feel of success. And then you want to do it again. And if you can't do it, you schedule it. Fuck, you still got that dopamine hit. You feel like a fucking champ. You're in the future. Future guy's going to handle it. I can't do it now. It's, yeah, your life's a lot better that way with that role. It really, it clears the space. It, like it's, uh, it's cleaning the desktop of your mind, right? I like that, Brady. I mean, Uncle really? Salsa. Good. Same it's guy. Saved, it saved my life. Two, <laughs> two, two minutes. It's been two months since I've made love to my wife. <laughs> well, only hey, that's four. two minutes. Ah, come here, you. Yeah, but but I love that, and and the root of it too is that it's uh it's compounding interest, like the books or whatever you want to work on or whatever you want to do, you you do it, and it keeps compounding, right? So like back to like the artist, and you wanna you wanna be compound compounding your your brand or your, your impact or your reach or whatever the hell it is. But like you said, no magic bullet. There's not going to be some magic record deal that's going to just make it all happen. It's, it's yeah. that a little bit every day consistently moving forward. You are saying at the beginning, compound. How did you phrase it? Um, it's compound, a compound interest. Compound interest, sure. Yeah, like this is compounding interest. People, people will see this. People will discover the beautiful personalities that are uncle salsa and the pelican boy i say this almost in every podcast now is i got this space and the idea was just to shoot some like poppy style videos where i say some weird future predictions in my you know in my space suit and so i committed to getting this place i started working with my my film friend steven again we started getting this going but what it led to really is showing me that the short form content wasn't really all that fun or scalable. And it led me to being comfortable with outsourcing editing videos, which was being done. And then the, the barriers to entry of starting this podcast were very low because I had my guy who knew the film stuff. Um, he knew the lighting. We knew how to get, I couldn't have done any of this on my own, but the fact that I started working on him in this place, led it here. And now I'm starting this podcast. I'm talking to you guys. I have two scheduled every week for the next two months. And now I'm going to reach out to people. And so this thing now has, has, is in autopilot because I'm not going to let this thing down because this thing gives me a lot of joy. 
talking to you guys through the screen, having fun. What is it going to lead to? Like in terms of expectations, I have no idea. I have strategies of how I'm going to release it. But other than that, I'm just going to keep doing it and hope that the good vibes, uh, you know, give me a, a boost at some point in time. And uh, two minutes. So often it's, yes, yeah, like you meet people out of nowhere. I did a McCartney podcast a few years ago. We, we're, we've slowed down. But from that, I met a guy and I'm doing a new podcast with. And he, and get this, man, we were, I was in Burbank working at this time. His office was a block away from mine. But if I hadn't put a podcast out into the world, I would have never met a guy that was in the building across the street. We're very similar, very similar guys, similar interests, similar, similar temperaments. Yeah. But, you know, your ship will not come in unless you send one out. You got to send a ship out for one to come back in. And that's what you're going to do. And that's what you're doing right now. That's what I'm doing. That's what you're doing. You're putting out the music. We're talking. We're, we're, we're spreading vibrations and frequencies, you know, through quantum entanglement. This is being fed into the, the, the galaxy interesting and you're doing it yourself yeah like that's that's uh i think kind of a signpost of i mean like the if you, if you look at just even like uber and lyft it's like it's it's you know what do they call it the what economy the the what's the word for it the gig economy it's like a lot of just freelance stuff you just have to do it yourself and it reminds me of all the lessons i learned in rock and roll in the last 10 15 years where, you know, you're a band and you go, you know, because we were, my old band had a record deal and we would call the record label and be like, you know, we were like idiots. It would be like, hi, like, um, like, you know, what's going on this week? What, do we, like, what did you guys do for us? You know, like we, you know, we have this song we want to put out, like, you know, when, when can we do it? And it's just like, and they were like, shut the fuck up. You know, they just, it, 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 and they should have, because like, you need to create your own buzz. You need to be able to, or at least be the executive influence on the team that creates your buzz. Yeah. You know, like it's all, it all comes from you. And I do know lots of people, hundreds of people. Actually, I would say the majority of artists I know have a little bit of that left in them where they go, you know, I just need to find the right manager. Like once I get an agent, yeah. everything is going to be better. No, wrong. Like, yeah, but it's like, no, that's actually not true. Like if you can't on your own accord create a little bit of local buzz or like something that's organically getting you to that next level, then like that's then you getting to that level, there's that's where you're going to stop. Especially now when we all have $1000 computers that have access to all of the information <laughs> in the world in our pockets, like figure it out. You don't know how to do something? Somebody has millions of idiots have done the thing that you want to do and they'll tell you how to do it in a YouTube tutorial or a article or, and it's all searchable and very well indexed Google. They're doing okay. Right. And then, and, but not, and, and, and the executive part I think is just as important because also people need to know their own limitations and need to know what, you know, where, where a collaborator would help. So, so instead of somebody doing and they're making the music videos and they go, well, I want to be the director and the cinematographer. I also want to do the hair and makeup. I want to star in it, of course. And, you know, they, it's this big sort of room like uh, production. You know, that's when a good executive mind can say, like, how do I get somebody to be excited about this project? How do I get somebody to, 
to come in and like, I don't have a big budget, but maybe I can use a little bit of charm. Maybe I can barter somehow work for them and I can kind of get what I want. And that's, that's really at the end of the day, that's the beginning of, of executive energy. There's really not a huge difference between going like old school, trying to sell like some, some fur that from an animal that you killed in, in, in exchange for like spices, you know, that's basically in, in a lot of ways, like, even though, even though you're not, uh, controlling another person, but that's executive energy. It's like, I don't have that, but I need that. So I'm willing to kind of give up this, this resource of mine. So, so I can have like a successful day and I can execute my vision. I think that's also the big difference between a man and a boy It's like, is, is a man knows what they want and how to get it. I, I totally agree. And it's the, it's the CEO slash entrepreneurship quality that all the greats that we love all, all had, right? I think all the, the, all my favorite artists didn't have necessarily the best voice. They didn't, they weren't necessarily the best guitar players, but they had this extra ability to be able to piece things together, to make things happen, to build a team, whatever it is, everyone has it a little different. But if you look at Madonna, if you look at P Diddy, if you look at, um, Gene Simmons, you look at any of these people who, who broke out, were they that extraordinary or was their, their capacity to have that executive energy and put this all together and build a company, a machine, right? Because one person can't be a company. One person can't be a machine. You can't be doing everything. You can't be doing hair and makeup and producing and mastering and and making music videos. You can't fucking do it. So how do you figure out to do what you can with what you got to build that? And that's, that's what I look, it's, it's the entrepreneurial qualities within artists that okay. impresses me. Learn the lesson, but you have to learn the lesson when you fail. There are a lot of people that just fail and they go, oh, well, we'll do it again. They do the same thing, hit a brick wall over and over again. Flexibility, self-awareness, a good executive is good self-awareness. Maybe not a great artist. Some great artists don't. But uh, I mean, what's the executive portion of your body? It's your brain. Just using your a good executive as somebody who can think things through, not only in a black and white sense, but then creatively. A lot of people forget creativity is an important thing. You know, Steve, where would you said P. Diddy and Madonna? Steve Jobs is a guy like that. Not really a computer programmer. Not not really an expert in many things except for the art of language and sales, one of the master persuaders on the planet. And, but also an organizer able to, you know, I'm going to try to get rid of the buttons and I want an elegance to this. And he was in some calligraphy. He sat in on a calligraphy class in college. He didn't even take it one class. Maybe it was one, maybe it was a couple. He's like, Oh, this is why these fonts are important. Kanye West is like that. I know Max is a big fan of Kanye. An organizer, someone that's able to, t- we talk about this a lot, can taste be taught? And how? Im- what is the value of taste? I think it's a mo- much more valuable. So I know you're bl- a Blink guy. Yeah. If guys that aren't great at guitar, although I'd argue they are, those guys had taste. Certain California punk pop sound, good lyrics, image, they gelled together. It It all matters. Everything matters. You can't. Every, everything it, matters. And that's why there's so many, oh, wait, keep going. You have something? Stuff that's not good right away. You, you can hear something for 30 seconds or less and go, well, this isn't that great or see it. And 
So all of that that goes into the alchemy is important. Absolutely. And so it, uh, if you hear an artist or someone saying, oh, I know this amazing singer and she's having you know, a really hard time or this, you know, this guy, and you, you have to have more. You have to have a, a, a palette of skills in order to, to make it. And it's not like I've made it, right? I'm, but, but I think I'm on the right track. And whether it's where, wherever this road takes me, I'm building something. I, I'm open to where it's going. I don't know where it's going, but it's going. The train is, is rolling. That's good. And, uh, if it's going, that's, that's usually good. Yeah, it's, 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 it's going in a direction that feels good. It's going in a direction that feels good. And it's, yeah, it's about learning how to work with people and doing whatever the fuck you got to do to make it happen and not just waiting. I think it, that's the thing. It's, you're not waiting for something to happen. You're just doing things and improving them. The biggest thing you have to unlearn after you go to school I've, you know, you, I've interacted with a lot of interns and people right out of college and everybody's waiting to be told what to do. And there was this moment and when I went, when I was lived in New York where I was working and I still had that old brain, that old waiting to be told what to do brain and something like I got in trouble about something. I forgot to do something. And I realized there is no limit to what the life expects out of you. And you just have to Male energy is talking about before, what separates between the men and the boys, or women and girls, just adult and children. And girls. Well, I think I think that's what you mean when you see when you when you guys are saying like the male energy. I think it's not male versus female. It's like male versus the boy. It's 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 your young self versus your adult self. You know, like whereas you visualize something in your head, and you can go, okay, well, I can do A, B, and C. I can't do D. How do I do D? Let me figure it out. And then, oh, I can't do it, but my friend can. And that's that organizing that comes in. It says, yeah, I mean, a lot of people I have interacted with, you go, oh, can you do this task? And they try once and fail. And they go, no, it was impossible. I couldn't do it. And I go, okay. And then I start making phone calls. And then here it is. I've done it for you. That's a learned skill. But you have to unlearn. You have to dehypnotize yourself from the Read the book, get the facts, take the test. Now you're smart. You were dumb before the test, but you passed the test. So now you're smart. Actually, you're dumber after you pass the test because you've been programmed in a specific way. At least that's how I see it. Being dumb is also incredible. I, I agree. From, from somebody who I would, I, I think I have a lot of really dumb uh, parts of like a lot of same maybe half, maybe even 75%. Maybe. Oh, that's, that's fucking horseshit, but keep going dumb but the thing is i know a lot of really smart people that don't get anything done Nothing, and they yeah. and they sit around and they go and they justify why something didn't work out and they're really good at justifying it because they're really smart and they're really good at putting something out often tr- rationalizing it versus dumb people you know you can and then especially if you loop it into a kind of a dumb artist which is great like just a creative person that's just like eh, just going with it what I'm so addicted to is when you do stuff for like six months and then you like, you're doing that same thing that you were doing six months ago, but then you look back at where you were six months ago and it's like you, you're on a different mountain. Like that's like the most intoxicating feeling in the world for me is that yeah. where you go. Yeah. I mean, this is the same activity that I've been doing that since six months ago, 
but good God, I'm not even in the same stadium anymore. Like I'm truly, I've, I've traveled so far because I haven't been overthinking anything. I haven't been making silly adjustments that are unnecessary and counterproductive. Yeah. I'm a huge, I was telling Brady earlier. I'm my thing is like, also stay out of your own way. Stay out of your own way is like a great, like a little mini mantra. Because so many times, if you if like so many times, like the problems that you're running into are just you're creating them for yourself, and a lot of it is overthinking. I think, especially so many people. Obviously, a lot of this artist talk is we're talking like music industry and stuff because that's one thing that unifies all of us. But you know, I know a lot of people who they start something out that's got kind of a, like a little ambitious thing, like like something that you're doing right now. It's very ambitious, you know. And I can see that you have committed to this world and you're seeing it through versus I know a lot of artists who are so talented and they try something for like maybe a month or two and then they go, Hey, like I'm a little, I'm sick of that. Like I could also do this. And like, maybe now I'm going to be kind of more goth and I'm going to kind of like slick back my hair and I'm going to be like a little bit more like edgy and I'm going to wear like cool, like leather stuff. And you know what I mean? And then they go, yeah. And then you go, Oh no. But like, since you did now, you, now now you're starting over and now you're not getting anywhere. So I think that that's, that's, that takes consistency yeah, consistency and staying out of your own way and not overthinking stuff. And so, yeah, getting out of your own way, getting out of your own way is the biggest problem. Um, like these micro pivots before you have like market reaction, you know, it's like, that's why I envy stupid people who are, and a lot of them, there are some who become extremely successful because they have this part of their brain that's missing. Like Brady was saying that we have to unlearn things. They don't have to unlearn anything because they just go. They're just like naturally just moving, right? They're just, they're just in flow. They just go. They think of nothing and they just make things happen. So we have to learn to do that. Yeah, that's true. But hey, it is yeah. what it is. It is what it is. So what's on, uh, on tap for the Friday night for you, for you boys? What do you think? We got to go get all that shrimp, maybe bite a couple of those heads off. I don't know. Got a boat of guitars here, a couple, two tree pianos. I don't know, maybe, maybe bloop, 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 bloop. I don't know, maybe I might go to bed. Okay, the future right. is unwritten. Okay, the future is unwritten. And so this is your, your studio spot. This is where you, the, the, the magic happens. How, how yeah. are you liking the new space? Very good. It's very good. We have a little compound over here on the east side of town. And I mean, it's a studio space. So you have to like gradually inject it with energy. You have to just like be with every song that goes by, it gets a little bit stronger. And, you know, if you've ever had a studio in the past, you know how powerful that can be to leave. You know, like my old, like I look at the, I've had like three of my own studios thus far. And like leaving that first one was so difficult because there was like years and years of great vibes and you just, it starts to become its own entity. Same thing. So like now, right now it's been, because we've only been in here for like just not even two months. So it's still young. It's still, it needs to be broken in. It needs like some, some W's. You know, but like it's got a great vibe. There's a ton of gear. It's pretty funny. It's like kind of talking about similar things. It's like, when do you have just too much gear? Why do I have to keep? Why? Why does Brady always want a new guitar? You know what I mean? Like it's it's like we keep collecting these things. Maybe this is gonna write that perfect song. You never know. You absolutely was that a Rickenbacker that you just got? Yeah, it's called a 1993 plus. It's a 
like a thick neck 12 string guitar 12 f get an f hall in america i wanted one because we're big of roger mcquinn of the birds and george harrison played one there's a lot of really important guitarists uh, tom petty obviously you know yes. he has that thick 60 12 that he plays in the front of damn the torpedoes and i just was reading how much everyone's like oh my god the sound and we're like yeah 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 and i just fell we got it we were playing it the other night we're both like looking at each other like, but no i think i'm done with guitars for a little bit at least for this month what month is it it's the end of october see how many more i got all right very good so what's the what's the band setup like when you're when you're performing like is it uh, are you guys guitar and, and bass we haven't really completely ironed that out, probably for the most part, or, or a lot of intermixing, interchanging. Yeah, the record was really just the two of us and then uh, the key lime guy on drums. That's like the, the main nucleus. So I kind of tended to do more guitar uh, stuff, and he was more uh, synth and keys. Well, I'm just not as good of a guitarist bass as this guy keys, is. Bass and keys. But I've been, doing, I've been taking lessons. I'd like a stab at a guitar once and again, but... Once in a Gwen. How, been, how have your skills uh, transformed since the, the beginning of those lessons? Because at the beginning of lockdown, you started, right? right? A lot better than we were. They're Tell a lot your better. teacher is. What's that? Tell oh, my teacher. teacher Paul Gilbert from the band, formerly of the band Mr. Big. I think they're actually still together. Yeah, he's a very kind man. Like one of the kindest. And, and he really is the best teacher because there's not a lot of criticism. He's only ever pointing out the good stuff. And then you're like, oh, I, I did good. I'll do that again and again and again. And if there are really bad things, he's like, you know, like my vibrato, I was using the tip of my finger instead of the side. But he like made a joke out of it. And it's, you want to you wanna show up for that. So it's, it's been good. It's a, lot, it's a lot to learn a new instrument, but it's fun. It's fun when you break, like I said, I don't know, 10 minutes ago, if you break it down in the little easily achievable wins i think you can do literally anything anything you want to do good teaching is i think a lot i used to be a guitar teacher myself and think like you never want to lie to anybody if you're teaching lying is the thing you you want to you want to avoid so you just selectively compliment you know it's like yeah it's like when i hear somebody shows me like a song by their band and it's really bad i'll find you know i'll be like man but that's what do you think? It's like that snare drum. Oh, amazing. It sounds so good. That's the best sounding snare drum I've ever heard. Thanks, dude. Well, man, it's all good. Okay. Yeah, I feel, I feel you. It's, it's very hard to tell someone that it sucks completely, right? So find something good in it. Find something good. That's the Paul Gilbert way. That's Don't the Pelican me. way. This is my yeah. point. <laughs> I think They'll be like, this is a really good song. I would just be like, I like this about it. And if they were to be like, what do you think about the songwriting? I'd be like, I think you could probably get a better song. I think the magic that starts to happen is when you can find somebody who you're okay with them telling you you suck. Like, I'll show stuff to Max. I'm like, you know, like, oh, okay, this is a bad one. But uh, for me, I'm like, oh, there'll be another one. You Because uh, toss it away. You write something else. Oh, hey, this part's good. This part's not. Cut that out. Let's work on this. That's where it really, you know. It's positive reinforcement. Negative reinforcement doesn't work. You remember when you're screamed at or told off? You don't remember anything else. You just remember, oh, I'm a, I'm a piece of shit. And that stuff spirals. But if you're like, hey, 
that little thing you did is good. Then people, they keep showing up because they want the the endorphin rush. Yeah, the, they want that good vibe thing. They want to see what they did well. It feels good. Is this okay? Yeah, it's great. Woohoo! You know, that's yeah. what everybody wants to hear. Especially in music where it's so weird, your ego's attached to it. There's all this weird insecurity. There's rivalries and there's jealousy and all that kind of stuff. Like, Mick, have you ever been in a toxic band situation? Um, I have not, actually. But I guess I've been lucky. I've only been in, in one band before. But I guess you have a story to tell me. Oh, no. I'm just like, because like, I've been, I mean, not everyone was, but you know, there's always, I don't know. Oh, I've you, been in, in very toxic, toxic work environments. Yeah. And where it's so heavy and people, you know, when, when you're walking by them, it's just bone chilling because like there's, it just sucks and it's gone too far and no one's addressed anything for far too long. And it, it just weighs on you and it's that stink feeling and everyone hates everybody. We call it frothy. When you're frothy, when you're frothy, frothy. Yeah, I love that. It's like you know when you're just feeling frothy in the morning, and it's like you don't hate anyone that you see in the morning. You just, you know, you don't want to get too deep into what they're up to or what you did yesterday. You just kind of want to do your thing and go to your desk and not fucking talk to anybody. That is the worst when (laughs) when you when you're like focused on something and somebody wants to tell you something inconsequential. Oh, really? You did? Well, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's especially when you know it's bad is even with the face-to-face stuff, it's still bad because I, I find that a lot of problems that I, I see my friends and my immediate circle get into, it's all based on reading texts and emails and trying to decipher tones and then people saying like, well, what the fuck? Did you see that fucking text he sent me? What the fuck was that? It's like, well, I don't know. Like, I don't know how he meant it, you know? Or like, oh my God, just the most passive aggressive email. And that's true though. Like a lot of times people, they're not, they, they don't have a lot of self-awareness. So they, they will, you know, they got, they have a little bit of anger and then they start typing the email and then they're like, fuck it. They fucking send it into the fucking, you know, into fifth gear. And then they're like, yeah. And they do kind of spice it up a little bit. And then people go, what the fuck is this? But there's no, there's no eye to eye contact. There's no vocal inflection. Yeah. There's nothing like that. And I think a lot of those problems I'm, I'm like, I'm surrounded like so much of my day is that like with working with artists and friends and people are trying to collaborate with a videographer and, and then they're like, well, what the fuck did this person say? Like they said this, look at this text. And it's like, why don't you just get on the phone and hammer this out? Yeah. That's, it's the worst feeling. It's the worst vibe, but calling and talking on the phone is the best, but, but yeah, you, if you lack self-awareness, or even on the receiving end, if you're getting overly fucked up about something, you're lacking self-awareness too because you can't see how, how bent up you're getting about this, this, this thing. Yeah, it's true. You're right. And uh, I, I got rid of all the friends who uh, brought me those problems, so it's just the way it rolls. So I have three, <laughs> fr- I have three friends. That's good. Well, I hope, to, I hope you think I'm one of your friends. Yes, well, this is the three of us. Okay, you. Yeah, I'm included in here. All right, gentlemen. So we, uh, I think we're we're hitting a point where I think we uh, we're going to end on a high note. And I would love for you to tell the people where they can find you. You can find us on Instagram at Uncle Salsa Pelican Boy. You can find us on Twitter at Salsa Pelican, or maybe it's Pelican Salsa. You could try one of those out. 
we do not have well we have a facebook page but don't go there not interested in any of that we run all dsps spotify all that and you know what i'm gonna i'm actually gonna do the billboard thing on audio uncle salsa pelican boy at gmail.com positive vibes only though you got a demo you got a thought you want something you want to build and grow i want to hear from you if you are trying to take that's for the birds so yeah come grow come build with us we're here every day seven days a week amazing you heard oh, it here first ladies and gentlemen we're here for you you know yeah uncle salsa and the pelican boy are here for you tropical purgatory is, is out now forget about it on the, on the right side of the screen we have uncle salsa on the left we got the pelican boy and uh, my name is Misho. I'm a fellow time traveler. This has been a uh, Fifth Dimension podcast, and I appreciate you all hanging out with us on this uh, this wonderful Friday night, gentlemen. A pleasure to see you. A lot of fun. Godspeed. This was absolutely beautiful. Here, stay on for a sec. You know, after this thing, you know, that's how we'll do it. All right, boys. <laughs>